You're listening to the soundtrack of Quinnipiac, 98.1 WQAQ, entertaining Hamden, New Haven, and the world. The new WQAQ, from the underground up. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double G, but I somehow, someway, keep coming up with funky, yeah, this shit like every single day. May I kick a little something for the G's and make a few wins as I breeze through two in the morning and the party still jumping cause my mama ain't home. I got business in the living room. So we had an interesting week. It was a good week. It was a very good week. It was a good week until the end. Yeah. Um, essentially. So... We had our show on Monday. We wrap up our show Monday, um, and you know, like usual, I I go to I go to Sports Pause to go produce. Um, we had a great episode of Sports Pause, but then Tuesday, I'm um we're getting ready to go to Bobcat Breakdown. Okay, All right. So we're getting ready to go to Bobcat Breakdown, uh, which is our Tuesday night debate show. And Steve and I are walking in just to go, and there's. An event going on in the piazza. Yeah, by uh, by SPB. It was like this, like motivational speaker, Monty Williams. Yeah, Monty Williams, really cool guy, actually. Monty, yeah, it was it was a it was awesome. It was I really great. enjoyed him. So we so we walk into the piazza. SPB has the event, uh, and and immediately we are just intrigued by this guy. He's standing up on stage. Uh, Monty said he's like an actor, uh, writer, author, multi- motivational speaker. That's kind of his gig. Uh, he's out in Los Angeles. He's filming like three TV shows out there right now. They're going to be on like NBC, CBS, yeah. and, and and he's doing a new uh, Tyler Perry project, which is awesome. That's so. really cool. And and we so we went to see him, and that was just some like we getting to hear his backstory and how he got to where he is. Like he was telling us like when he was a kid, he was you know thrown around from foster home to foster home and group home to group home and uh he was really set up to fail his brother ended up getting uh getting uh time in jail for attempted uh for murder with a deadly or like an attempted murder with a deadly weapon or something like that uh for dealing drugs and monty was literally just supposed to fail but he ended up becoming somebody he wrote a book um graduated summa cum laude yeah uh, really in his college so like holy cow like Talk about from nothing to something, Monty Williams. I think you guys should go check him out. But that was our Tuesday night. Thursday, you get sick. Well, yeah. So, like, so first of all, for those of uh, for those of you who don't know, um, my birthday was last like last week or two weeks ago. Well, I think it was last week. Yeah, I think. It was uh, last and week. I was sick throughout throughout my birthday. I had a fever that ended up stopping on Friday. Birthday was on Thursday. Birthday was on Thursday. So that's finished on Friday, like night. So I was kind of healthy, and then the whole week went by, and then the following Thursday, I had explosive diarrhea, or what I thought was might have been food poisoning. It was food poisoning uh, from some of the food here at the calf. So I was down for the count, and then you were down for the count. And I was down for the count on Sunday morning. I woke up Sunday morning, butt crack of dawn, and I am I am on the toilet with a trash can, and it was just the, it's just it the worst horrible feeling. Thankfully, just the absolute worst feeling. Thankfully, I didn't give it to you. But then again, it's the, just this casual selling boat that's swimming around. Yeah, Steve Pappas but, was uh, was talking to me about it earlier. He's been he's been suffering from it. But, but before we got this, before I got sick on Sunday, on Saturday, I got a really cool opportunity <laughs> to call Women's Lacks color commentary on ESPN Plus with Dan Ball. I, I I saw that. That was 
odd. But like Yale women's lacrosse. I was color commentating with Dan Ball on ESPN Plus. How'd you manage that? Dan literally texted me out of the blue. He was like, "Jack, do you want to? I have an I have an opportunity for you. Do you want to go to Yale and color commentate women's lacrosse?" <laughs> and I was just like. For me, really, he's like, yeah, make a quick seventy-five, and I was like, oh, deal, go, oh, yeah, I'm there, I'm there. I had to, I had to cancel my tour on Saturday, but that was okay. Saturday, yeah. and then. Meanwhile, we're here now, and we almost thought you weren't even going to make no, it. In I, studio. Honestly, I'm, I'm so sore to, today. To the point that I literally wrote this show ready to do it alone, and I almost offered Christina Vitas, uh, one of uh, Quinnipiac's best, to come on and be like an analyst of like The Bachelor. Because I had nothing to talk about, and I was like, okay, I can kind of salvage uh, this day. And also, like, just just to mention, like, we're kind of at that, like, we're at the um, the low the low point of our radio show, where it's like the next three weeks is nothing really going on in sports outside of like the NHL and the NBA. Like, spring training's kind of in full swing, but you can't report on it every single week and be like, oh, what's going on in baseball? So we're kind of stuck here, but we actually managed to fi- uh, figure out some really cool things. But want to just yeah. hop right into it? I mean, yeah, but but. Um but so so okay. but but before we do before yeah, we do of course it is just brought to my attention because I was out all day today I wasn't really around Steve told me that he is now part of Q30 I am Q30 I, Sports I have joined Q30 Sports so I'm be, a uh, so I'm a beat reporter for both men's basketball and softball casual flex casual yeah whatever casual flex <laughs> so, and now and now Steve is going to start joining us on the producer side of things so Steve when I came to Quinnipiac Steve was just a regular business kid and now here he is basically pulling a 180 on us all and uh, I'm doing journalism. I'm turning over to the dark side. You're welcome. A, I can't believe I was your freshman and I was just like, I want to do this one day. And you were all like, yeah, good luck, kid. And now here you are <laughs> trying to do the same exact thing. Meanwhile, you're all, you're like five steps ahead of me. I am five steps ahead of you. We should, we should get right into this. So. All right, let's do it, folks. You're listening to The Mac and Main Show. On 98.1 WQAQ. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. Is this the tagger? Welcome to the Mac and Main Show on 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac, Jack Mate, Steve McAvoy. We just ran our new intro. That was incredible. We, we sat in studio. We were like, all right, we just got to make a new intro for the new year. And yeah. wow, that sounds good. We wanted to do a new intro for the first semester. Um, it didn't come together. So this semester we were just like, you know, screw it. We're going to roll it. We're going to make a brand new intro. It's our first time with a new intro since the show began. That sounds over so a year ago. good. I, I, dude, I'm in love with this. That bit. was a good intro. We're going to make another one that's going to come out next week. But Steve, uh, because I was not really around today, you wrote up the show notes I did. by yourself. So it's basically your show to, to, to run. I'm just going to kind of give my thoughts as we go here. So yeah, so go ahead. So start us off. Let's hop right into it. So uh, when I was drafting up the show, I was like, you know, what i gotta figure out something to do and obviously the first thing that came across across my desk was uh the current situation with the houston astros so uh pitchers and catchers reported this uh last week and now all teams are back in the swing of things and almost out the gate between the grapefruit and cactus league games haven't even started yet air squads haven't even started yet and what's the first thing that happens was what everyone's been waiting for was the astros apologizing 
uh, for their cheating scandal or quote unquote cheating, uh, well, quote unquote, sorry, apologizing. They actually cheated. Um, but <laughs> but what I found interesting was the backlash that not only did the Astros get, but Rob Manfred. And we're going to talk about Rob uh, later on in the show, but I want to first kind of uh, go back to, to the whole beginning of this. So Rob Manfred came out and he said, I'm not going to punish the players. I'm not going to investigate them further. I'm not going to suspend them. I'm going to give them absolution for everything, everything they did. But I'm going to have them apologize to the media, which sounded like a slap on the wrist in the first place. And honestly, it was a complete slap on the wrist, even when it happened. Uh, I, I don't have the sound bites, but between Alex Bregman and uh, Jose Altuve particularly, it was just the most casual. It didn't yeah, sound very whatever. authentic. It, it wasn't authentic in any way, in any way, shape, or form. It was like their <laughs> PR rep came to them five minutes beforehand and said, "Hey, uh, you got to do this." And they were like, "Really? I got to do this?" And they got up on the mic and they were like, "Yeah, I'm sorry for what I did. Happens. Expletive here, expletive there. Kind of just like a casual, like like a five year old getting yelled at by the principal when he really doesn't give an f." Right. Um, but that's what it felt like, and. Everybody from Trevor Bauer to Cody Bellinger to uh, even Dusty Baker, their manager, was Justin like, Turner. Kind of talked about Justin Turner. Everybody, but obviously the biggest reception was um, from LA. And so let's. I, I kind of want to hop hop right on right into it. You Darvish said the Astros shouldn't even talk because what they said wasn't even worth it. Um, they shouldn't even defend themselves. Kelly Jansen said the Astros cheating was worse than gambling and steroids, saying that their cheating was literally worse than the steroid era of McGuire and Sosa and Conseco and Palmero and, and Manny <laughs> and Clevens. Bonds. Bonds. Like, everything. Like, that, like they were absolutely adamant, adamant about it. But the one thing I want to focus on was Cody Bellinger, who this is what he had to say uh, on the weak apologies. This is from uh, a bit from ESPN. Apologies were whatever. Why is it not playing through my thing? This is weird. Uh, I thought Jim. For some it reason, is. we were having. It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Cranes was weak. This is what he said. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, you know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in seventeen. That's tough. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us, um, but you know it's over. They uh, they apologized. They went together and apologized, and uh, you know it is what it is now. Uh, so, uh, look, obviously Cody Bellinger's pissed, and, and yeah. I totally understand it. And you, you could easily make the argument like, yes, they stole the ring from the Dodgers uh, in 2017. If think about it, the Dodgers lost the World Series back to back years from teams that were quote-unquote cheating. Obviously, the Red Sox in 2018, there's still a report about it. There's still investigations happening. Uh, but he has a right to absolutely be pissed. I think the biggest thing, he, though, was that Altuve sold the MVP from Judge. He does, and I, I don't really think Bellinger has a say in that. Um, and I think that, you know, Bellinger, if he's sticking up for Aaron Judge in one way or another, because if you remember, Bellinger and Judge were both rookies in the same year. They were mm -hmm. both rookies in 2017. They were both the, they were the first pair of unanimous rookie of the years since like the 90s i think it was so yep. um you know for for bellinger to to kind of defend judge in that sense of hey you know we're two young studs in this league that we can that that but but we're still going to defend each other when you know we're when when we think something's going wrong you know i feel like for cody bellinger his his say in this is a lot less than what than what others should be than what than what the Yankees should be on that because yeah if if you just to say that he's to say Altuve stole the 
this, to say Altuve stole the the MVP from Judge is 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 that's not that's not your place. Where it is your place is to say they stole the ring from us. Now that's what makes sense because in the end, yeah, the Astros cheated to get to the World Series or to win the World Series, and it, and it was the fact that 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 because they cheated, the Dodgers were were are out of a World Series ring and could have potentially been the first back-to-back champions in baseball since the nine since like the 2000 Yankees or something like yep. that. So. For Bellinger, don't say your don't say your piece about the AL MVP because a that's not your league and b that's not your place. And when you talk about the World Series, you know you got to make sure that you have other people behind you, which it sounds like he did because Justin Turner sounded off on uh, on the Astros as well. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, mm-hmm. sounded off on the Astros today as well. So you know you have to really evaluate what's worth your time and what's worth actually s- stating and. Uh, for my piece on the apologies, I just it just did not sound. It sounded like the most scripted thing I've ever seen since some like since a bad soap opera, man. Well, I was texting Rick Magnante about this, and he was saying that it was this is it was just absolutely terrible by the Astros. Their apologies were not authentic. That Jim Crane thinks that he's sol- he Jim Crane, th- the owner of the Astros, thinks he's solved this mystery by firing oh, Jeff Lundhau yeah. and uh, AJ Hinch. That doesn't make that doesn't make you look any better. Like Jim Crane thinking that he Jim Crane firing AJ Hinch. And his general manager, thinking that makes the Astros look good, it doesn't make you look any better. It really doesn't. You didn't have to. You didn't have to fire them. Like you, if you were going to fire him, you would have fired him before the investigation was over. Well, no, that no, they had to fire him. But um, I don't think he did. Eh. No, because if you if you had if you had not fired him, okay, had you not fired him, and, and AJ and Jeff wrote out their suspension, that would have shown that Jim Crane believed in his team and believed in his organization that a they didn't cheat. And that B, they have an opportunity to get this core back together and, and rebuild themselves. Well, we also don't know though how, like Dusty Baker's only he only is the interim manager. He isn't the full fledged manager. So for all we know, no, he, he is. He's a full manager. He, well, yes, he's the full manager, but they're calling him the interim manager. So there's a chance that AJ Hinch might come back and after after this one year suspension, they just needed a new coach to fill in the role, and they weren't going to just not hire somebody. Because technically speaking, AJ Hinch is probably still in a payroll. No, AJ Hinch was fired. There, this no, is no, no, no. I know he was fired. The point I'm trying to say is that if they didn't fire him, they had to appoint an interim head coach, and they probably could not. They had. They probably would have had to have hired within, not hire uh, externally. And they're saying Dusty Baker is the interim manager. He isn't the full fledged manager. It'll, it'll say, yeah, manager of the Astros, but they. Where does it say he was the interim manager? He was announced as the interim manager. That was Ron Renneke of the Red Sox. No, it was also with Dusty Baker. Anyways, I'm not going to argue this any, any further. We have to get to uh, more news. But Carlos Correa, Correa, Correa uh, talked to Ken Rosenthal um, just a couple days ago following the Bellinger thoughts. And this is what Carlos Correa had to say in response to Cody Bellinger. Well, so when he talks about um, that we shoot it for three years, I mean, he, is a, he either doesn't know how to read, he's really bad at reading comprehension, or he's just not informed at all. But the commission's report clearly says that all those activities were conducted in 2017. 2018, nothing happened. 2019, nothing happened. It was just talented players playing the, the, the game of baseball. So that's Carlos Correa's uh, explanation. Obviously, Cody Bellinger doesn't, quote-unquote, understand reading comprehension. But this is not good. It's not good at all. It's and not good. The Astros need to stop talking. But honestly, a lot of this falls on Rob Manfred. And 
there's another bit that I'm going to talk about in a bit with Trevor Bauer where he went absolutely off, and I think he had every right to do so. But Rob Manfred has really kind of shown from from the jump that he has mishandled everything in yeah. in this case, whether it be not stripping them, uh, not stripping the Astros of the of their rings, not suspending the players. I, I I've been saying this from the jump, and uh, we can go back to our first show of the year saying this, or even uh, our prefab saying I thought that the players should have a been investigated, possibly suspended. So players like uh, like even in the Red Sox case. Boogie Betts, J.D. Uh, JD Martinez, Andrew Benatendi, players who took part in this cheating, then Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, George Springer, the, those offensive players, it would be so much more to lose out on 10 top 25 players in the MLB for a whole well, entire year, and this way you know that that, that that team was tainted. Why would MLB suspend J.D. Martinez and Boogie Betts? Well, if they were a part of the Red Sox alleged cheating scandal in 2018, that's a whole other other story but what i'm saying is if both if both came to be true right if okay both, if both rings are and there was no winner of the 2017 and 2018 rings and the 2020 season after it was found out those players weren't playing it's almost like how how everyone knows the black Sox in, in 1919 there's no true winner in 1919 there's no winner associated to it you can go on wikipedia you can go on any page but that's because you know the teams are tainted people might not necessarily remember like yes they'll remember that oh the Astros cheated but is it really going to go down in history like the Black Sox, the fact that there's still two rings associated to these cheating teams? Well, first of all, be careful when you say two cheating teams because the Red Sox have not been found okay. guilty. All yet. right, we'll focus in on the Astros, and I apologize. I retract my statements on the Thank Red you. Sox. Thank you. The Red Sox— As a good journalist. As a good journalist, yes. The Red Sox have not been found as cheaters yet. Only Evan Delridge thinks that the Red Sox are cheaters. <laughs> um, I don't think you can strip the Astros of their rings— it's not. It's not. In, it's not like the case of like Lance Armstrong with the blood doping scandal. You know what I'm saying? Yes, but <laughs> but you could argue that that this this really is worse than steroids in baseball because it, you yeah, you could yeah you, oh yeah and I absolutely agree with you because you know if you're cheating if you're taking steroids that still doesn't guarantee that you know what pitch is coming if you know exactly. what, if you know what pitch is coming you have every advantage if you just if you just take steroids you can still swing and miss at all your pitches you know what i'm saying yeah so it, for for the astros to to yes cheat and then be caught cheating and then sound off and then have everybody in, in major league baseball sound off on the commissioner the houston astros and their organization you have to you have to assume that that rob manford is going to take more action than what he already has taken and he, he has handled this so so poorly this is this is to the point where i think he should resign I really think Rob Manfred should resign because he was the one. He because after Bud Selig re- retired in 2013, Rob Manfred was was brought in in 2015 or 2014, I believe. Mm-hmm. He was the one that oversaw the whole instant replay thing taking place. He was the one that is start that started to oversee uh, pace, pace of play. Of, yeah, yep. pace of play. That, that was my that I was getting to my next point there too. And and so you know he's the one that's overseeing all these major changes. And then he goes and he proposes a whole new postseason format and this all kind of carries into my next point here which actually uh comes in perfectly so, so trevor bauer got on uh momentum which is a uh kind of kind of like the players tribune but also kind of uh trevor bauer's platform you could say and he hopped up and he went off in a six and a half minute uh tirade i just on, saw this for the first time today by yeah, the way he went this on was a, insane he went on a tirade on rob manford we, we, we tweeted about it when it came out on february 11th i have two bites let's go uh, so this first bite is, is about the new rule changes that rob manford's bringing in this is trevor bauer from momentum beside myself with 
Rob Manfred and his ridiculous rule changes that he keeps proposing. We're going to move the mound back two feet. We're going to have a three batter minimum. We're going to, oh, get the get the the game's under three hours because that's what fans want. Fans don't care if the game's two hours and 57 minutes or three hours. The reason that you wanted to do that in the first place is because all the people that own media companies that own baseball teams are the ones that voted you in as commissioner in the first place. So you're protecting them. So in that case, you should probably know something about media. You should. Yeah. So he, first of all, he went off about just the, the, just the rule changes. Uh, a minute prior in the very beginning, he talked about how um, it's un, how it's unfair for A, the MLB uh, teams that are not the winning teams and B, even the winning teams that you're going to let them A, choose who they're going to play in the playoffs and then give them a 10-day uh, like blackout. Kerb Bauer, as a starting pitcher, played for the Cleveland uh, Indians. Indians. I'm pretty sure he won a Cy Young or nope. was, or was a runner-up for it. No. And now he's a uh, pitcher for the Reds. Either, either way, he talked about how baseball is a game of uh, constant repetition and, and, right. and giving a team 10 days off, even though they won 110 games and get to choose who they're going to play in the playoffs, which, by the way, they're going to choose the worst team anyways, and that's how it always happens in the playoffs anyways. So why are we changing it? He's arguing that you're now giving teams 10 days off where you're giving a pitcher who could be pitching every fifth, uh, day. Every fifth day, you're giving him two weeks off and it's going to blow him up. And it's, and it's one of the reasons why he argues that baseball in the playoffs, if you notice, the offensive numbers are inflating. In, yeah, in, like in Trevor, Trevor Bauer, what he mentions in this video is that baseball is not supposed to be football. Yeah. Football is the sport where you have 10, 10 days, seven days off in between every individual game. And so if you do that in baseball, you know, after playing back-to-back days for, you know, six months, like Trevor Bauer mentions in the video, you know, you all of a sudden you throw off the rhythm, you throw off the momentum that any team can have. We see it happen all the time. I think if you remember uh, when the Dodgers uh, played the um, – or who, what, what, no, what, what team was it this year? That had the long layoff between ALCS and, and division series. I think it was the Astros. The Astros had a long. I think it was the Astros. The Astros had a long layoff between game one and game or between game six and game one of the World Series. So what they had to do? So they like all got they got super rusty and the Nationals came in hot playing uh, in a full series against. Uh, yeah. Who did they play? Did they play the Dodgers? No, they didn't play the Dodgers in the well, ALCS. No, they played the Cardinals in the NLCS. Yeah, they played the Cardinals in the NLCS. They got right into it and they were ready to go. They won game. They won games one and two. Taking that time off can just absolutely blow up your momentum. It's yeah. just not how it's supposed to be. And also, what I find what I found interesting, and we're going to talk about it right now, is the fact that Trevor Bauer even went in even further on Rob Manfred and elaborated on what he just said about how he doesn't understand the media. And as a as a organization and a business, more than anything else, you need to understand the media that you're uh, attending to. And this is what Trevor Bauer had to say, also from Momentum, same as that speech that he had about the criticism of blackout games and the marketability of the MLB. Let's listen in. Yeah, I just had to get this off my chest. And I want to focus on some solutions, some things we can do in media. Like, Rob, if you understood media, maybe as the commissioner of baseball, you could solve some of these things. Like how in one of your biggest markets... Half the fans can't even watch the damn game because of TV deals. Like, I grew up, what got me into baseball is I grew up going to see it one Dodger game a year. I'd go to one a year. We didn't have money to go to more than that. I'd sit out in the bleachers. We'd listen to Vince Scully on the radio with my dad. But we watched Dodger games all the time. I was sitting in bed at night watching Dodger games. This is what got me into baseball. Half the people in local markets have blackouts. They buy the MLB package to watch their favorite team and they can't even watch their favorite team half the time. I know that's not all on Rob, but as the commissioner, figure it out, man. 
Like, how are we supposed to spread the game? How are we supposed to get people interested, young people, the missing generation of baseball fans? How are we supposed to get them interested in the game when they can't even see the damn game? So, so if you guys, so like for our for our older audience, WGN is is a TV network based out of Chicago, mm-hmm. and Chicago is home to the Chicago Cubs, otherwise known as the Lovable Losers. The Cubs were so bad for so long that they were struggling to get fans. So what the Cubs ended up doing was they ended up basically taking out, they took WGN and they made it a national broadcast. They made it a national station so every single channel, or so every single TV in America had WGN. And they would play the Cubs games on national TV just about every single day. Mm -hmm. And that's how fans grew to love the Cubs. And that's how they became the lovable losers. And uh, and that really carried into their, their, into this recent uh, generation of baseball fans that we have why there are so many cubs fans today is because is because parents and families grew up watching wgn which the chicago cubs played on in i think it was everywhere west of chicago you could get wgn and you could watch the chicago cubs on a nightly basis and that's why so many people are fans of the chicago cubs now and it's why that they get national broadcasts on espn fox and of course they can't do that today because of those blackout rules i remember when i was 13 14 years old i wanted to watch the red sox every single day but i couldn't my family we didn't have nesson we didn't have the, the the network that carried the red sox so we bought the mlb package being in new england we would we, being being in new england we had no idea that we were going to be blacked out in this mlb.tv mm-hmm. network so we ended up having we ended up buying like a hundred and i was like a hundred dollars for the year we got every single the the the, the thing said or the the package said you get every single major league baseball game, and except then, for the one that you're locally, except with. for the one that you're locally affiliated with. Absolute bogus. And also, what's amazing is, and I ran the numbers. If you notice, with the growth of technology in the modern day, there's actually been a uh, a lower a lowered number of viewers for for local MLB stations because of the fact that now technology carries like Reddit streams, and you can watch live streams just from the game. Like for me, my house. So I live with three with three guys. We can't afford a full cable package. Right. So we don't have cable. So I can't watch SNY, and I can't watch the Mets games, but I can go on my laptop and type in uh, Mets live stream on Reddit and find a live stream and just watch it that way and just plug the lightning cord from my USB laptop into my TV, and boom, I have it. Right. So, so with that being said, Trevor Bauer is absolutely right. The fact, the fact, totally right. The fact that there's blackouts and a lack of marketability within the game is – absolutely ludicrous and and I, I i talked about it on twitter i said the mlb has no marketability this from the second the mlb season ends there's no coverage about first of all the the, the draft happens in june middle of the year there's right. no marketing you don't know outside the top five players you don't know who it is and yet it's partly it's probably due to the fact that the fact that there's high school athletes coming out but now well, the, the, NBA, the college season ends in, yeah. in that time but, so but now now basketball is having uh, is allowing high school a- high school athletes to come back into the league, so yet, yet there's full marketability towards that. But you don't know outside of the top five draft picks who's going to come out of the MLB draft in June in the heart of the ML- in the heart of the season in the NBA and the NFL. We were talking about it, making our show for the whole semester. If you notice, you can legitimately know every player going to the NFL draft, everyone going going into the NBA draft, and there's coverage for it. Two months before it happens, right, and, and there's then it happens none of that in, in the lull. And between between November and March or or mid February, there's no news in the MLB. Well, I think the problem with that is because 
uh, players entering the draft in baseball, you know, they could be total college studs. They could be national recognition in college, um, be on SportsCenter every single night. Yeah. But then they get drafted, and then they get lost for five years because of yeah. the minor league system. So, but, like, it, it's more than just that, though. It's the marketability of baseball as a whole. And I have one more uh, soundbite of Trevor Bauer um, talking about it. This is what he had to say. He actually compared uh, baseball to basketball. This is what he had to say. And on top of that, they can't even go to Twitter where all the young people hang out. You can't even go to social media and see anything about the game. Steph Curry throws a bounce pass in an NBA game, and it's trending with 1.5 million views five minutes later, and Mike Trout goes and launches himself and robs a homer or something, and you can't find the highlight anywhere online. And it's so true. Outside of the MLB Twitter, maybe cut four, and that's it. You can't, yeah. you can't find anything You're else. You're not finding it on House of Highlights or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it's embarrassing. The MLB has negative marketability, and it's affecting the fact that people don't want to watch baseball. And that's why everyone's dragging itself to the NFL. That's why the XFL even exists. The XFL is 95% marketing on Twitter and 5% gameplay. It is. It really is. And the XFL, honestly, I've been I've been impressed with it so far. So, so, have, two I, weeks. so have I. But the fact that... that its marketing is so much better, and the fact that Vince McMahon and the marketing team in Sanford, Connecticut, literally said, we are going to market the hell out of this game. We're going to market the hell out of everything, and it's worked. The MLB has a major problem with marketability, and I think that all falls on the shoulders of Rob Manfred, and it's absolutely embarrassing. I think it does, too, and this is why Rob Manfred needs to resign as commissioner of Major League Baseball. We need somebody that's going to progress this game forward. Right now, Rob Manfred is under fire for this ridiculous proposed rule changes, moving the mound back two feet, the new postseason format. And then on top of that, he is basically hated by every single team in Major League Baseball right now for not punishing the Astros players who were the ones that really orchestrated this whole scandal. You know, they said that Carlos Beltran was the was the mastermind behind it. Alex Coral was the mastermind behind it. Yet none of these players that were actually executed Executing this this cheat, this code that, that the Astros were using, were disciplined. Alex Bregman, big head behind this thing. Yuli Gurriel, big head. Jake Marisnik, big head behind this scheme that the Astros had. And they are not sitting out any more than you or I are if we were in the major leagues. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. And Rob Manfred needs to get his head out of his ass, and he needs to and he needs to either suspend these players for a cheating and then b going up and giving the most surly apologies i think i've ever heard you ever know, you know we've never actually had a like a full-fledged like argument and like a, a hatred towards something like this and you and i are huge are huge are huge baseball fans and the fact that we are so adamant about this is absolutely embarrassing it is it's so terrible because and it takes away the the love of the game for us everyone is calling for rob manfred to suspend these players and he's just not it's like 90 to 10, and the 10 that's on your side is the Houston Astros. Not even. No, I mean, like, like he, even Dusty Baker came out and said, look, honestly, this is horrible. We need to figure it out. And Dusty Baker is so worried for his team to the point that he literally asked Rob Manfred, and Rob Manfred hasn't, hasn't done a thing in a week, about he. this is a quote from Dusty Baker. He said, I'm depending on the league to try and put a stop to this seem, seemingly premeditated retaliation that I'm hearing about. And I, and in most instances in life, you get you get the kind of you get kind of reprimanded when you have premeditated anything. I'm just hoping the league put a stop to this before someone gets hurt. And I guarantee you, right now, it is today, February seventeenth, seven thirty-one at night. Rob Manfred will not do anything, or if he does, he'll do something really small and band-aided, 
in order to protect Jose Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa and Alex Bradbury from getting beamed in the head yeah. on opening day. So here's here's the other thing. So like Rob Manfred said that there would be severe there would be severe repercussions for anyone who tried to throw at those players that you just mentioned. I don't think you can do anything. It's the rules of baseball. You can't do anything about it. Because you, well, yeah, you can. The players get suspended. Yes, of players course. get suspended all the time for throwing intentionally. Well, well, well yes, and and we know it from uh, from Noah Syndergaard throwing a Chase Utley. That whole soundbite of Terry Collins going absolutely off. Yeah, that was after Chase Utley uh, tore up uh, Rupert Tejada's leg. It was in like May of the next season. Right, but. So what? But you, the reason why you can't do anything about it is because you're not taking those players off the field. Yeah, you're not taking those players off the field. If you remember when um, Alex Rodriguez was suspended for all of 2012, he came back in 2013, uh, and in a game against the Red Sox, Ryan Dempster hit a Rod like threw four pitches way inside. Threw four pitches way inside. Yeah, hits a Rod. Hits a Rod on the fourth pitch. Fenway erupts. I was actually watching that game with my dad. I, I'm sure he remembers it. Um, Dempster beans A-Rod. Everyone starts cheating, starts chanting, you're a cheater, you're a cheater. And baseball couldn't do anything about it because they knew what A-Rod stood for. Mm-hmm. In this case, unless you you are you are asking for those for these players, you're asking for these pitchers, Trevor Bauer and, and company, to throw at the heads of Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa, the reason why they're going to throw at them is because you're not taking them off the field. If you were to take them off the field and suspend them, you wouldn't have any potential risk of players getting hurt by throwing beanballs. And, and also, I think this will, uh, this kind of relates closely to what happened in uh, in New Orleans with Bounty Gate. Granted, it was with coaches, but if you if you remember, Sean Payton and Greg Williams were suspended for a year, and they came back, and everything was okay, and they they admitted to it. And you know what? They were actually genuine in their apologies that, yes, we, we did Bounty Gate. But the league kind of accepted them still after after that year. They were like, okay, you, you messed up. Let's bring you back in. Honestly, you're kind of doing the players a disservice making them play out the year because it's almost like you're going you're gonna to let them A, get beaned, and B, everyone's going to know that this is what they stand for. If you keep them out for a year, maybe at the very least they'll be like, oh, wow, I really miss baseball after they'll, a year. Yeah, they'll not let be able over. to be with a team and work out with a team. You're going to literally be on your couch watch, watching Astros games if you're Jose Altuve. And who you, knows? After a year, you might actually be genuinely upset by it. Let it blow over, and then and then after a year, like you said, no one's going to be as upset. No one's going to try to throw beanballs. I think that's what you got to do. We got to take a short break, but when we come back, we're talking about Tom Brady's future in the NFL. Well, we have Tom Brady's future in the NFL and the NBA All-Star Game. Stay tuned, folks. Hey, yo, Mac, let Ladies the and gentlemen, C-Fab. Oh. Wing time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo. Zone, 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 zone. Let me see your shoulders work. I mean, I don't know what y'all came here to do, but uh, hey. if you ain't got a lighter, what the f*** you smoking for? You we ah. What the f*** though? Damn. Where the love go? Oh. Five, four, three, two, I let one go. Wow, get the f*** though. Welcome back to the main show on 98.1 WQAQ, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac, Steve McAvoy, Jack Maine. Sick Jack Maine. Sick Jack Maine. Second, second half hour on the show. We got to talk about a lot in the future and the crystal ball of Tom Brady. You know, uh, you you haven't really seen the show notes much. You kind of I uh, saw it, enough to know but, that, um, how ridiculous some of your points no, were. No, none of these are ridiculous. So they I are have, all ridiculous. He's so, not leaving. Uh, hold on. So I've ran through almost all the numbers. I've crunched everything, and I have come up with seven teams that Tom Brady might go 
One of them is the Patriots. Spoiler alert. Okay, so there's only one team that Tom that Tom Brady might go to. But I'm going to give you my my picks and my reasonings, positive and negative, for every single team that Tom Brady can go to. And there's been a lot of rumors swirling. There's been a lot of thoughts of, does Bill Belichick really still want Tom Brady because of... Uh, we obviously know what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo a few years ago, how Bill Belichick told Robert Kraft, I want Garoppolo and not Tom Brady because he's going to be the future. And Robert Kraft kind of denied him. But these are my picks for where Tom Brady might land. First of all, the team who Colin Coward believes almost mightily that uh, that Tom Brady would go to, and a few other analysts have agreed with him, the Tennessee Titans. So the positives behind possibly going to Tennessee. Derrick Henry, A., you have the elite running back. You have the relationship that you already made for years and years with head coach Mike Vrabel, who is a former uh, Pats linebacker. You have a top 10 offensive line who is better than the Patriots' current offensive line. And if you notice from the past year, the, the, the Pats' offensive line seemed to struggle a little bit towards the back end, of, towards the back end of the year, in their able, in their ability to protect Tom Brady, even though he's been sacked the least amount of times over the past three seasons than any other quarterback in the NFL. But you're going to have an offensive line with Ben Jones, Taylor Lewan, and Jack Conklin, who have all blown the doors off of their PFF ratings coming into the year, PFF standing for Pro Football Focus. Now the negatives. It's the same song and dance with the receivers that he's had with the Patriots for, for however long. You have a really good tight end, but he's aging, Delaney Walker. You don't know how long he's going to last. He's in his mid-30s. There's an underdeveloped Corey Davis, kind of like what he had what he had this year with, and underdeveloped Nikhil Harry, a young wide receiver who hasn't necessarily made the steps that he needs to become that top receiver. And your only slot option is Adam Humphreys. I, I, this is, out of the teams that you have here, this is the one that I, that I most legitimately, legitimately would see Brady going to, other than the fact that Ryan Tannehill's already there. Well, Ryan Tannehill is a short-term option. I understand he had a great second half. But, but if you look at the Murphy's Law, the Law of Averages, states that what that what comes up must come down and what goes down must come up. Ryan Tannehill played what three years I saw that to the it, New York Mets. Yeah, I know. Don't <laughs> remind me. Ryan Tannehill played what three, four years in in Miami was absolutely horrible. Yeah, more than that. Yeah. Was absolutely horrible it, it, in Miami, took a hiatus and somehow came out of the woodwork and brought the Titans to a to AFC a championship, championship game. Team. Like, yeah, what goes up must come down. He isn't the option. He isn't the long term fix. Marcus Mariota wasn't the fix when he became when he was drafted by the team. They thought he was. He wasn't it. The Titans also have a lot of cap to work with. They have a lot of room to grow, build the offense that, that Tom Brady wants, and they can give Tom Brady the money that he that he needs. I don't. I, the only reason why I see Brady going to Tennessee is because of the head coach. He has the relationship with Mike Vabrell when Vabrell was a player on the Patriots in, mm-hmm. in uh, 2009. And the only other the only other thing that I could see. Brady enticing it in Tennessee is the fact that uh, Dan Ball just walked by our studio. The only oh, other wow. thing I can see um, enticing Brady to go to uh, to Tennessee would be the fact that you know he has that the, there already is an established offense there. Uh, you have uh, the opportunity to work with Deion Lewis again. You'd have an opportunity to work with Derrick Henry, who's arguably the best running back in the league right now. But the fact is, is that uh, you can't. I don't. I don't see him choosing L.A. Or 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 uh, Indianapolis over Tennessee or New England. I think that those are the two top ones. If you got if you got to choose between Tennessee and New England, if you're Tom Brady, as long as New England gets a star receiver, I think that it's going to be New England. So that leads in my second uh, team, the Indianapolis Colts. So 
This is my wild card team. Uh, some people said, said the Raiders were the wild card because John Gruden's a madman and they're entering a new stadium and they have a hell of a lot of money. But I think the Colts are my, are my sleeper team, and this is why. They have the third best offensive line in football, according to Pro Football Focus, at the end of this past season, with Quentin Nelson, who's arguably the best, who is probably the best left guard in football. They have, in, they have incredible salary cap space. They have the second most salary cap space in the NFL next to, I believe, it's the, it's the Buccaneers. I could be wrong. Yes, the Buccaneers. They have $86 million in cap space. He could reunite with, with Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, two quarterbacks that he's worked with in the past. Who also, n- n- not to mention a positive for Jimmy from for Jimmy Ursay's Colts, is the fact that Tom Brady could now oversee Jacoby Brissett, who is on a team-friendly contract who's locked in for a few more years. Once Brady goes, you still still have Jacoby Brissett, who learned a lot under Tom, under Tom Brady and can, and can still learn a lot under Tom Brady, even though he took over for Andrew Luck and came out of the woodwork and did a great job as a sudden replacement. There's still opportunity there as well. They play indoors nine games a year at a minimum because you're going to play at Lucas Oil in Indianapolis. You're going to play at Reliant. You're going to play in Texas uh, in Texas against the Texans. You're then going to play in Tennessee against the Titans in what's normally warm weather, nice weather. And then you get to play two game, uh, one game in Jacksonville. Thinking that he's going to the Colts is ridiculous. Uh, hey, hold on, hold on. Hear me out here. You're playing at, at, the very, at the very minimum nine games indoor, not to mention – Depending on your out of con- on your out of conference, which is usually teams down south, like teams like the Buccaneers, the, the Panthers, and the Saints, you're playing teams that you'll be able and have an opportunity to play indoors and in warm weather. And Drew Brees, one of those quarterbacks who, after he moved from San Diego, thrived in those kind of conditions. Do we recall at all the Colts being the team that tried to tarnish Tom Brady's career forever? There is no way. He goes to Indianapolis. Water under the bridge at this point. Water under the bridge. You, this man, they tried to take a Super Bowl away from this man. You get to follow in the footsteps of the great Peyton Manning. As, as of the wh- great Peyton Manning? Who's better, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? But Peyton Manning was is the greatest quarterback in the history of, of the Colts organization outside of maybe if you want to talk about Johnny so Unitas. So why would he want to go to Indianapolis? There's a legacy already there. But you could build a new legacy and bring a title to Indianapolis and uh, again, the whole the whole point is you get to kind of throw on the the jersey straps that Peyton Manning put on. I'm sorry, man. If I'm Tom Brady, if I'm a Patriots fan, and <coughs> if I'm a Patriots fan, I'm dying over here. If I'm a Patriots fan and Tom Brady goes to the team that literally tried to sabotage him, there is no freaking way. Just absolutely. No way in heck. They ended up winning that case, which, by the way, the Wells report on the Deflategate scandal was so f- was so inaccurate, so inaccurate. They never even investigated the Colts for deflating the football that Tom Brady threw the interception on that supposedly sparked the Deflategate conversation. All they right, never look, did look. that. Why are we trying to say that Tom Brady's going to go to the team that tried to sabotage him? I, I don't really know, Jack. I just don't think. Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on. He's Hold not on. going to Indianapolis. Sir, listen to me here. It isn't. This isn't like Cody Bellinger going to the Astros after they cheated and he stole a ring. No, this isn't like that. The fe- look that the whole def- the whole def- the whole Deflate Gate case didn't get nearly as much media. I understand it was the fact that, to- that, 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 that it was Tom Brady, but the long term effects of it. It's been what five years now. It's water. It's water under the bridge. Whatever it happened. They're my sleeper team. The negatives though with the Colts, there are a few. They aren't the greatest uh, fit. They don't have the best head coach of the bunch. 
Uh, Anthony Costanza, the, the, their left tackle, is departing to free agency, but they could resign him. And this isn't really a true negative, but your best receiver receiving option will be T.Y. Hilton, which really isn't a bad thing, and you'll have Marlon Mack in the backfield. So there's opportunity there. Again, though, the Indianapolis Colts are my sleeper team. We need to keep on moving forward. And he's not going there. Besides, you wouldn't even be able to wear number 12 because they're going to retire that for Andrew Luck. Whatever. It's okay. Hey, Mo wore 42 with, uh, with Jackie Robinson. It, 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 it could happen. If you never Derek know. Jeter, if Derek Jeter was... If Derek Jeter was a free agent at right, the end of his look, career look, look, and the Yankees I, didn't want him back, do you think he's signing with the Red Sox? All right, I'm, I'm not going to argue this further because we need to keep on going. Because I'm right. No. He's not going to Indianapolis. All right, whatever. They're, they're, they're my That's sleep, bogus. They're my sleeper That's complete team bogus. <sighs> you know, you're really annoying me. Then My next team is the LA Chargers. So the LA Chargers are basically the Titans 2.0, a little bit of a worst-case scenario, but they're in need of a new quarterback. Phillip Rivers was uh, was, was recently confirmed they, he will be retiring uh, they have a elite pass catching back in, in Austin Eckler. There's a chance to retain Melvin Gordon, so you'll have the same kind of dual threat that you had when you had Stephen Ridley, LeGarrette Blunt, Shane Vereen, that whole deal when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, they have an electric deep threat in Keenan Allen. You have a great young tight end who, who they will have to re-sign in, in Hunter Henry, but he's still a great value. The offensive line is undervalued, but it's still strong. They're ranked 12th in, in the NFL by, by Pro Football Focus. Phillip Rivers was sacked only 5% of his dropbacks this past year, which is very similar to what the Patriots have had in the past. In the past, And it isn't fully moving back home, but you get to go back to California and live by your family. I think that this is a legitimate opportunity for Brady, only because you know they have a, they have a vacant spot at quarterback now mm-hmm. that they've officially moved on from Phillip Rivers. I see that as an opportunity for Brady to just kind of go and, and enjoy his enjoy the rest of his career. I don't really see it as a place for him to go and continue winning, though. As if he were I to agree. go, as if he were to go to if he, if he were to go to uh, Tennessee. Well, the biggest problem with the uh, with the Chargers is this: they have a limited defense. They haven't had a lot of relevancy either since outside of their one uh, playoff playoff run a few years ago, where they were like neck and neck with the, with the uh, Chiefs for the, uh, for, for the for the last divisional spot. They haven't really had a lot of relevancy since since the LT Antonio Gates age. It's plus it, they're also going to move into a new stadium and everything's going to get better from here. It's the classic, you know, like LeBron went to LA yeah. because we all know why. We all know why LeBron went to the Lakers well, well, to, to to play in Los Angeles and yeah, enjoy but, his retirement. But it's kind of like LeBron plus a little bit because you get to kind of go home to a degree. He's from San Mateo, California, which is it's more near San, San Francisco, Francisco, but you're still in the California area. You're in LA. You have the opportunity for Giselle to thrive, for you to thrive as a, as a possible. Uh, personality in the future. That's just my take. I think the Chargers are kind of second or third on the list. This is another surprise team that I came across. I was like, wow, this kind of works. Bruce Arians, the new head coach of the Buccaneers, came out and said that even though James Winston got LASIK eye surgery, he will not focus on him whatsoever. He uh, He's considering possibly even getting rid of James Winston, which is why the Buccaneers kind of fi- kind of find myself find them as an interesting kind of sleeper team almost, kind of like the Colts. I think this is a, this is a much better opportunity than the Colts for these reasons. First of all, you're going to have two elite elite wide receivers. You have Chris Godwin in the slot, who finished top 25 in the NFL in third and third in yards, and you're going to have Mike Evans, who's absolutely nasty. They don't have a true threat at tight end, but OJ Howard is a fine, sizable option. He could sustain some sort of success. A great coach who's offensive minded, just like uh, Andy Reid. He follows in the footsteps of Andy Reid. I think I think Bruce Arians is actually part of his coaching tree as well. And Brady's dealt with poor line play in the past. There isn't a great offensive line in Tampa, but he'd he be able to figure it out. Again, they also have $85 million in cap space. So they have room to grow. They have room to figure out what they need and to put pieces in with Tom Brady. Their, pro- their, their problems 
They have the 29th ranked defense in the NFL. They need to work on that. It's the biggest problem they have. Again, $85 million of cash base. You have room to grow there. But will he really, will he really want that? The other biggest issue is kind of like the Colts and the Chargers where this team lacks is exposure. It's the Buccaneers. It's Tampa Bay. Who the hell cares? I really don't see Tom Brady going there. There's no way. There's no freaking way, man. Again, hey, sleeper team. Sleeper team. Finally, the last yeah. case here is, is obviously to, to stay in New England. They have the least positives, but they also have the least negatives. Positives, it's Bill. It's it's New England. This is all going to be a mere just afterthought. It's going to be like... <laughs> Everybody like, loves you. It's going to be like LeBron when he opted out uh, of his deal in Cleveland just to get more money and come back anyways. The league's top defense, Kyle Van Noy and Devin McCourty and co., they're going to be uh, free agents. There's still an opportunity to sign them, but they would have to sign to more team-friendly contracts. You have a rock-solid O-line. They're the 10th in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. You could be a career patriot, and you will maybe get receivers if, you, yeah, you will. if, if you he's will. re-signed. The problem is, though, is that there's been a lack of development from young players. You saw it in Nikhil Harry. Philip uh, Dorsett hasn't hasn't developed much at all. And outside of Julian Edelman, if you take Julian Edelman out of the equation, the Pats are almost bupkis. So, There's so much working So there. hang on, hang on, hang on, because you're not looking at it from my perspective here. All right. Philip Dorsett has developed. He just hasn't developed. He just he just wasn't he just wasn't um, consistent. Right. He was he was developed. He just has he just hasn't been consistent. So like he had a terrific start to the year. Like in his first four games, I think he caught every single target that yeah. was thrown. His and then way. he completely fell off. And he completely fell off, but partially due to concussions and a, and a hand injury or something like that. So, um, but out of all the positives and negatives you've listed for for all the teams, the strongest positives are the fact that he could be a career patriot and that he will be able to finish his career oh, yeah. in like, New England. You could be like Kobe Bryant almost and be a career Laker. Like I, like I understand the, the legacy behind it. The only issue that I have is that if you end up re-signing Tom Brady, you're going to have a lot of issues in, in cap space. They'd only have about $12 million to work with, which might sign you one big-name guy, I, maybe. I think that you, you can you can, you can can say to Tom Brady, you can be like, well, because like if you think about it, Brady has taken pay cut after pay cut year after year because the team wanted to re-sign guys like Danny Amendola and Rob Gronkowski to longer to, to bigger contracts. So uh, for for the team to finally say, okay, yeah, Brady, it's time for you to, to earn your worth. Maybe you're 43 years old, but, you know, it's time for you to go and uh, make your dough. But anyway, we got to move into the Blitz for six. And, Steve, since I don't have my computer, it's your, it's turn, totally to, okay. it's your turn to take it away. No problem. So our first biggest news, the University of Colorado, like the college Colorado, reached out to head coach, uh, to offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy, about a coaching gig. I can go off on this for days because Eric Bieniemy was the was the mind behind Andy Reid's offense. He's one of the reasons why they won a Super Bowl. And yet people like Matt Rule and Joe Judge and Kevin Stefanski and Mike McCarthy got rehired, got new jobs. Matt, Matt Rule, unproven college coach. Joe Judge, unproven coach uh, in a bad coaching tree. Belichick's coaching tree is not that good. Kevin Stefanski was a great assistant in Minnesota, but Biennemi has a much richer history. I think Eric Biennemi should just say right, right where he is, say no to Colorado and say screw you to everybody else who denied him. NBA All-Star Weekend just just occurred this past weekend. A lot of controversy in the dunk contest were between Derrick Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat and Aaron Gordon of the uh, Orlando Magic. The in-state rivalry ended in Derrick Jones winning by one singular point. I personally hate All-Star Weekend, but now, but now Aaron Gordon has said, I will not no longer take place, take part 
in a dunk contest. If you remember 2016, he lost to Zach Levine, also by a slim margin. There are new rules, though, to the All-Star game, which I found really interesting. There was a win by two, a cap uh, on points. It ended up with... (laughs) A very anticlimactic Anthony Davis second free throw attempt. It wasn't a cap on points. It. it wasn't a cap on points. It was a. It was like a win by two. You like you, you play up to one fifty and then a win by two. No, no, no. It was, the, it was the it was the target score. That's what it was. Yeah, target score. Uh, Bam Adebayo as well won the skills competition and the three point contest wasn't really a knock or soft off event. But Buddy Heald came out victorious. The Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph saga continues. Miles Garrett was reinstated by the league, and he ar- he argued again against Mason Rudolph, saying that he called him a racial slur. Rudolph called it a bold-faced lie to the media last week. This is honestly sounding more, more like an episode of The Maury Show than it is sounding like an actual we uh, get him beef. on The Maury Show. I would, oh, imagine that, imagine that on The Maury Show. That would be incredible. <laughs> you are the father. <laughs> XFL Week 2 is in the books, and I'll admit I'm actually kind of interested in it. Through two weeks, Cardell Jones is tearing up the league and is the biggest story in the XFL. He is 2-0 as a starter and is absolutely tearing it up. Look, i got to say, man, the XFL is something very special in my opinion. I actually applied to a job. Uh, Shout out to Tyler Brocious. But um, I I don't know. The XFL is a very interesting uh, take. I'm, I'm very interesting about it. Josh Norman was released by the Skins this past week, saying he's ready for a fresh start. Where he'll go, I don't really know, but if it has anything to do with Odell Beckham Jr., watch out. Ron Rivera had a yard sale this past week for charity. He made $30,000 selling all of his Panthers goods. So, I mean, good for you, Ron. It was very interesting. So, finally, my last point before the the From the Leachers guys come in, MLB legend Tony Fernandez passed away yesterday. Uh, The legendary Toronto Blue Jay uh, won or helped win the World Series in 1993 with the Toronto Blue Jays, if you remember, uh, walk-off Joe Carter. Yeah, yeah. Touch them all, that Joe. Was, that was touch them all, Joe. Uh, was, uh, but us at the Mac and Man Show just want to say rest in peace to a legend, Tony Fernandez. And uh, right before we head out, a special just, like, before we go. What's up, gentlemen? Dan Paul has Dan hijacked back in the booth. <laughs> As I tend to do. It is mine, it's after okay. all. It's okay. Dan, we're going to have you back in here. Before this, before the semester's over, I'm before excited. you graduate, I'm hijacking. Us. I'm hijacking the show because I want to say a congratulations and a thank you to Jackson Maine. Uh, Jack oh. did color with me on Saturday for Yale women's lacrosse on ESPN Plus. He nailed it. He kept complaining and saying that he was bad, but he was very, very good. Uh, both of my parents listened and were very complimentary of you, Jack. So I just wanted to say thank and you for for hopping in on short notice with me and uh, and doing a great job. Well, Dan, I I appreciate the thanks, and I'm going to say that Dan Ball is my winner of the week because he called uh, he called the Odin Tufto goal that was on ESPN Sports oh, Center top five. So and and you can kind of hear his his voice kind of squeak in the uh, the background on it too, which is kind of funny. It wasn't it wasn't quite the Phil Jubileo. <laughs> oh my god! But it was still it was. I it was, was hoping great. that Dan. I texted Dan right after that, right after the goal, is saying uh, Odin called and won. I was yeah. hoping he was going to read that on air, and he didn't. But he texted me after saying that man has a family. Yeah. That was crazy. Unfortunately, I wasn't looking down, but yeah. So I just wanted to say thank you and hijack your show properly. Well, thank, thank you, you guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mac and. Main whoa, show. Whoa, Be wait, sure my to loser of the week. On, oh, I got a, a loser. Shoot. Yeah, dude. My, so my loser of the week is Russell Westbrook. Uh, he was interviewed at Media Day asking who he'd play in a one on one, and he said, Basketball's a team sport. Ha! You're Russell Westbrook. You're Russell Westbrook. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're not a team you player. You're a solo guy. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Mac and Main Show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mac and Main. Like us on Facebook and listen for us on Spotify and iTunes the day after the show happens. From the Bleachers with Dan Ball and Co. is up next. You are listening to 98.1 WQAQ.
Thank you for listening to the Mac and Main Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mac and Main and like us on Facebook for updates about the show, news, and highlights around the world of sports. Make sure to listen to us Monday nights at 7 p.m. on 98.1 WQAQ or stream us live at WQAQ.com.